When I was a little girl, I believed in fairy tales. I wished my toys would come to life and that my stories could be real. Then through all the noise and confusion, I believed it was all an illusion. The world had faded black and white, nothing seemed to be right. But now I know that how it goes is that my dreams never die. As long as I keep the magic inside me alive, do you believe in magic? Stories are written, read, and disappear, probably hidden on some dusty bookshelf, often forgotten and never retold. This tale is different because it stays in the heart of all who hear it. The memory continues, eagerly waiting to be shared with the next generation. Take a peek, sit back, relax, open your mind, journey into the world of the gulp of waters and slurp it downs. You'll never be the same again. Joanne was sitting on the end of her bed, brainstorming. She had to find a subject for her essay exam. Every idea seemed to fall short of something brilliant and exciting. I'm fed up. It's as if my brain is asleep and my ideas have run away. Why I have to be bothered going to school is beyond me. Let's face it, the world would still turn if I didn't go and school is such a big time waster. The bin was filled up with screwed-up paper containing non-brilliant ideas and the brainstorming was starting to wear thin. She could be out discovering anything not yet discovered, but instead she was wasting time on dumb school stuff. Joe's dream was to be famous by finding something extraordinary, something unusual and something absolutely awesome. In the meantime, she had to come up with an idea for the end-of-term school essay exam and that was not much fun. Joanne Elizabeth Parker, get your brain into gear. It can't be that hard to think of a blinking idea. It could be on why brothers are such a pain in the bum or why parents should let their kids stay up late. But I suppose it'll have to be what teachers like. Something boring and predictable like the cat sat on the mat. Joe was getting cranky, but she really had a vivid imagination and wrote wonderful essays. She was the star essay writer at school and everybody expected big things from her so she just had to come up with a decent idea. I just can't do it. No good ideas for me. Looks like I'll get a great big fat F and it'll be the most embarrassing and humiliating thing of my life. Jo grabbed her school bag and ran downstairs. She was not in a good mood at all. As she entered the kitchen, her stomach started to rumble and her attention soon turned to the cookie jar. Don't even think about it, Joe. Sit down and have a proper breakfast. No time. Have to rush. I've got to think of an idea for a school essay exam. See ya. Wish me luck. 
Joe, don't forget to put on your sun hat. It's hot outside and the sun will fry your brain. Joe was not impressed. It was bad enough that she had red hair and white skin that needed lots of sun lotion. Why couldn't she have been born with olive skin and brunette hair? Now that really annoyed her. Then there was the hat. The daggy one her mother insisted she wore. The one she quickly hid in her school bag before entering the school grounds. Because Joe was nearly ten, she was convinced that she was closer to being grown up. Soon she would be able to do exactly what she wanted. It would be her ticket to freedom. Joe was a grumpy pants at times and overdramatic on most days ending with why. With that type of attitude, heaven knows how she managed to keep out of trouble. But one thing Joe could definitely be proud of was that she never used bad language and tried to be reasonably polite. Joe had the ability to hide what was really on her mind, and nobody was the wiser. Unfortunately for Joe, this was about to change. Her behaviour, attitude, and feelings were about to be challenged to the max. Joe was soon to embark upon a new dilemma of huge and weird proportions. Joe was supposed to be walking to school, but she had decided to detour through the bush towards the creek. Nobody would mind if she was only ten minutes late. After all, some kids seem to miss an awful lot of school. She shuffled through tall grass and climbed over fallen logs. The scorching summer sun hit her cheeks and the sound of the trickling water made her feel the need to... Well, let's just say she held on. There were dragonflies skimming the top of the water and annoying mozzies buzzing around her ears. On this particular day, the inviting water blue skies and bush smells mesmerised her into a state of carefree meditation. She unbuckled her sandals and took off her school socks. An overwhelming need to dip her feet into the cool, clear water embraced her. The water swirled and bubbled around her and the temperature was so cold that it drained almost all of her breath, causing an ice pole type of headache. Gosh, that's cold! The sight of the stepping stones scattered through the creek beckoned her to continue on her watery adventure. After walking across the creek, Jo pulled herself up a rock pillow, lay low and enjoyed the peaceful surroundings. School seemed to conveniently drift from her mind. Shutting her eyes for only five minutes seemed to be a great idea. She travelled deeply into the world of fantasy as reality disappeared and creative thinking pushed its way into her mind. The poem, The Walrus and the Carpenter, came to mind, but goodness knows why. It just popped into her thoughts. Maybe she was having an Alice moment. Suddenly, Joe heard an odd sound floating around the stream. Slish slosh, slish slosh. What could it be? Looking about with inquisitive eyes, she saw a strange-looking, rotund creature. He was attempting to demonstrate some kind of 
Fishing skill? Don't do it like that. You don't know what you're doing. Pining for gold is my speciality. I'll have you know. Nonsense! Jo shook her head and rubbed her eyes. What could she be imagining? The first creature had a dragon face, droopy eyes and two sets of ears. Two of his ears were small and pointy, while the other set was long and slimy, with stick-like feelers twisting in all directions. He also had a long tail, with clusters of brown twigs twisting about dragging on the ground. His large feet had two big toenails, and he had tan and green fur. The other fellow, with a bad disposition, was skinny, brown and hairy, with two huge eyes and a bird-type beak. He looked as if he had a beaver's tail, flat and longish, with webbed feet. Jo knew she had a good imagination, but this was ridiculous. What was she witnessing? Gulper waters don't know how to pan for gold. Only slurper downs do it, and that's a fact. Gulper waters and slurper downs? What on earth are they? Get a grip, Joe. I wonder if I'm going loopy. The two creatures argued for a long time until a sound came out of the bush. Brrr, brrr. The noise echoed through the treetops. Just typical. Looks like we're being called back for tea. A prickly feeling surged up Joe's neck as the notion that she had lost track of time jolted her to attention. Tea? Oh no, it must be late in the day. Everybody will be worried about where I've disappeared to. Joe jumped up, raced over the stepping stones, fled through the tall grass, and managed with a great amount of skill to hurdle the fallen logs. The thought of her having to give a good explanation on missing school started to make her tummy feel a little queasy. It was going to take a miracle to get out of today's dilemma. But Joe knew that she would have to come back. It was all too fascinating for words. How could she resist the urge to find out the mysteries of Cork Upper Ripple Creek? Racing towards the edge of the bush and finally meeting up with the road to school, Joe was panic-stricken when she bumped into her friend Melissa. Where have you been, Joe? And why don't you have your sandals and socks on? Joe looked down. She had left them somewhere near Cork Upper Ripple Creek. Just took a wrong turn. Well, you better find a good excuse for being out of full school uniform. Hurry up or we'll be late for school. Hang on, what do you mean late for school? Surely I've missed today, haven't I? Confused and edgy, she followed Melissa to school. How could it be on the way time to school? Shouldn't it be on the way home time from school? Joe then began to worry if the new breakfast cereal had resulted in side effects. It was supposed to be organic healthy and full of nutrition. All day, her mind was back at Cork Upper Ripple Creek. The smells, sounds and those funny-looking creatures just would not disappear. By lunchtime, her books were filled with sketches of gulper waters and slurper downs. As she packed up her school bag ready for the journey home, there were no memories of her maths lesson no notion of the spelling test, and Joe had totally forgotten about receiving a detention for being out of full school uniform. 
The end of the day brought relief to Joe. The only challenge left was telling her mother where and why she had lost her sandals and socks. Isn't it funny how sometimes things have a way of going right? Joe arrived home to find a note on the kitchen bench. Gone to the shops with Jeffrey. Won't be home until dinner time. Please feed the animals. Love, Mum. How good is that? I can change and Mum will never know I don't have my sandals or socks. Tomorrow's sports, so I can wear my joggers and sports socks. You just have to win sometimes. Now I have a chance to retrieve my things without being caught out. Hope Mr Heathmont doesn't ring Mum about my detention. Maybe I have time to visit Charity. It's a good place to think over what I've experienced. Yeah, maybe it'll clear my head. Mum won't be home for a while and Geoffrey's not at home to annoy me. I think the boat is a good idea as long as I don't lose sight of the time and get into more trouble. Charity was an old wooden boat that had been left to her from her grandfather. It was Joe's private chill space. She dashed down the path, past the clothesline, nearly slipping on the pavers, ran like crazy down the steep embankment and reached the river's edge. Here at last. I'm getting faster every time. Joe climbed into the boat. It rocked gently and she found herself once again feeling sleepy. Thank goodness she snapped out of it in good time. Joe thought about the strange creatures she had seen that morning. It didn't seem real. And if she told anybody about them, they would probably never believe her. She decided to go home and put them out of her mind until at least all of her chores were done. As she ran back towards the house, the light was disappearing and shadows danced across the lawn revealing spooky images. For a minute, Joe's heart almost stopped as she thought she might have stayed too long by the creek. She was greatly relieved when she reached the back door and there was no sign of her mother and brother, only frustrated domestic animals whining to be led in for dinner. Joe had a younger, exasperating brother called Geoffrey, who was a real pain in the butt. Knowing something he didn't gave her the greatest satisfaction. The best thing of all was that he wasn't allowed to go down to the river, so charity was all hers. Well, sort of all hers. She had a good friend called Simon Cook who lived at the property next door. He was the only other person allowed to step one foot into the boat. Joe really liked Simon because he didn't care that she was a girl. He just liked to hang out. Simon also had red hair and that made him perfect. Well, that's if boys could be sort of perfect and he did love the boat nearly as much as Joe. Unbeknown to Joe, he would sneak his friend Mark onto the boat when the coast was clear. The two boys delighted in playing pirates and had a jolly roger of a time. Sticks for swords, pirate hats made out of folded newspaper and flags out of large white undies which had been grabbed from an underwear drawer belonging to Mark's dad because he had a big fat bum. The boys would throw rocks into the creek, pretending they were cannon fire, stirring up all the mud from the bottom and sending the fish into a frenzy. Those days were strictly 
no girl days. Jo knew that she had to feed the animals. It was the only chore she really hated. The animals would circle her like sharks and jump up and scratch her legs. Often Band-Aid would rush his food down and then chuck it all over the floor, so she had to clean up the sticky, gooey mess. Most of the time, she had to stop Tim Tam, her cat, from licking up the vomit. Her mum arrived home just as she was about to set the table. Perfect timing. That night after dinner, all she could think of was the adventure she had just had. The anticipation of another bushwalk made all her senses tingle. The creatures may come back to the stream. Wouldn't it be fantastic if I had discovered something unique that nobody else in the world knew about? The only problem is retracing my steps. As she cleaned her teeth, visions of the strange creatures seemed to display themselves in her mirror. How was she going to sleep? It was a challenge she just had to endure. The next morning, Jo woke to a sunny and inviting day, and as usual, felt happy. The birds were making an enormous din outside her window, and her chubby cat was snuggled up against the small of her back. Her dog, Band-Aid, was lying at the bottom of her bed, making terrible smells. Oh, Band-Aid! That's disgusting! As she entered the kitchen, yesterday's events came swishing back into her mind. She hurried her breakfast, nearly choking on the cereal. Milk ran down her chin like a waterfall, soaking into her shirt and collar. Geoffrey was totally amused by the mess his sister was getting herself in. Joe didn't care. All she could think about was the mission to retrace her steps and grab her misplaced belongings. Mum was impressed with the way Joe actively downed her breakfast, thinking how clever she was for buying the new organic cereal. Unfortunately, she demanded that Joe clean herself up before she could leave. That only mucked up any thought of getting out in good time. Geoffrey was almost wetting himself, so delighted that she had got into trouble. When Joe presented herself to her mother for inspection after a very quick bathroom stop, her brother, who was fooling around on his chair, managed to fall backwards. He landed flat on his back and wailed at the pain he was in. Karma, I think. Serves that brat right laughing at me and giving me the pip. Suppose Mum will fuss around him now. Probably give him all the attention he wants just because he's the precious baby boy. Oh gosh, are you okay, Jeff? Hurry up, Joe. You'll be late. Say hello to Melissa. I forgot about Melissa. Oh no, if I bump into her, I'm totaled. With my luck, I imagine she'll be waiting for me somewhere along the road to school. I really like Melissa, but unfortunately she does like to talk and I probably would never get away. How am I going to get rid of her? Must hurry to avoid the problem. Where did I leave the road? I think maybe it was through that clearing to the right. Joe realised that timing today was most important. She had been in so much trouble the day before, she couldn't be late for school. Everything seems familiar. 
Yes, I'm heading in the right direction. Hang on, I think that's the log I jumped over yesterday. Yes, I climbed over that large one over there and I can hear the rippling water of Cork Upper Ripple Creek. Gee, but the creek looks beautiful. I'd rather stay here all day than go to school. Let's face it, if I don't have my sandals, Mum will crack it with me big time. I have to keep looking. No time to dilly-dally. I just have to be here somewhere. I can't be too far off the track. What's that over there? Could it be my lost things? Thank goodness, my sandals and socks just where I left them. Ah, oh, they're a bit dewy, never mind. I suppose drying them in the sun will solve the problem. As usual, Joe's mind was racing at 100 miles an hour. She decided that maybe she should backtrack towards the school. Her bacon had been saved, but she still had to do the detention for Mr Heathmont. This notion only lasted a few minutes, because the excitement and anticipation of another adventure prompted her to dance across the watery stepping stones. Joe waited beside the creek, hoping to hear the voices of the strange creatures. Eventually, her patience paid off, and she heard them. Get the pan and watch me! Look at the pan and watch me! Why do you have to be so disagreeable? I'm not! You're just dopey and unprofessional! The banter continued and Joe found it amusing as it reminded her of the comedy routine she often watched on her television. These guys would be a great hit! Joe started to laugh. This caused a panic with the gulper waters. Shh! Did you hear that? What are you imagining now? That's the trouble with gulper waters. They're stupid. That is a mean thing to say to me. You should never tell people they're stupid. Not unless there are stupid slap it downs. To Joe's relief, they forgot about the noise she had made and started punching each other, pulling each other's hair, noses and ears. It was alarming to watch, but it took the heat off Joe and the sight made her laugh even more. Fur, hair, or whatever was flying in all directions. Dust, grass and rocks were hurled through the air and splashed into the creek. The next thing she witnessed was the two creatures rolling on the grass, laughing their sides out. Got your butte, didn't I, you silly gulp of waters? You did, my friend, and it was fantastic. Let's collect our gear and go home for a rest. Now they're friends again? What crazy little creatures. This is amazing. If I follow them, I'll probably find lots more. This could be one of the most important discoveries of the century. The weather was extremely humid, and Joe decided to leave behind her backpack, joggers and socks to follow the creatures. Keeping a reasonable distance from the crazy pair, she slowly crouched down and followed them for what seemed like Forever. She travelled over dirt hills, through beautiful green tree ferns, scaling rocks and dipping every now and then into the cool, clear Cork Upper Ripple Creek. Joe had never felt so alive and full of wonder and excitement. This was a real adventure, and maybe one day she would be famous for her trouble. Unexpectedly, the two creatures stopped and clapped each other's hands together. To Joe's amazement, 
a little bush village appeared. There were all sorts of other creatures, including more gulper waters and slurper downs. They all seemed to be getting along, unlike the pair she had been following. Their homes were beautifully carved tree trunks. They were large, shady and with verandas. Woven grass had been used to build the overhanging roofs and gum nuts were stuck together into clusters, fashioned into chimneys. The residents of the village seemed to be awfully busy, dashing about, concentrating on whatever job they had been given. Looking across the village, Joe noticed that the gulper waters had some kind of important role. The slurper downs would pick their noses and snot would come out stringy and long. After collecting all the snot they could find, the slurper downs would fill a large pot and boil it up. The smell was too terrible to describe, but it was grotesquely fascinating to witness. Then she noticed the female gulper waters and slurper downs Joe thought they were definitely the cutest creatures amongst the lot. Wish I could take them home for a pet. Take us home for a pet? You heard me, but I didn't say anything. Thought you could sneak up on us, did you? Never imagined you would be discovered, did you? Well, the bottom just fell out of the bag. What was going to happen next? It had been fun to follow and spy on the creatures, but now she'd been discovered. You have just been listening to the Mysteries of Cork Upper Ripple Creek audio tales based on the children's books of the same title by Australian author Susan Pease. To find out more about these stories or to purchase hard copies, please visit susanpease.com. S U S A N hyphen p-e-a-s-e dot com and be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you do not miss out on the next exciting installment of the mysteries of cork upper ripple creek